Welcome to Entitle Town, the capital of Cheesehead Nation, a place where 1265 Lombardi Avenue is hallowed ground. Championships are our birthright, and anything short of a perfect season is an affront to the memory of St. Vince. Populated by fans who think the grass is always greener on the other side and are yellow with envy of everybody else's success. Let the Green Bay griping begin. Hey everybody, this is Chad, your normal host, and this week we have a very special late week bi-week bonus episode that is hosted by my West Coast colleague, Skylar in Sacramento, aka my brother. Um, and in this episode, he takes a deep dive into a few of the maybe lesser well-known um, players on the Packers and some of our coaching staff and just, you know, his overall feelings on the Packers and the foot and the NFL so far this season as a whole. At one point, he does mention sending me your favorite game day food or game day recipes. Um, you can send those to Entitletown on Twitter, at Entitletown, or snowbeardstudios at gmail.com, which is the email I use for my production. Anyway, without further ado, here's Skylar. I hope you enjoy it. All right, here we are, Thursday night. No Thursday night football. You can thank fucking COVID for that bullshit. Tuesday, though, Titans played uh, the Bills, and that the Bills season came to a nice little speed bump. Derrick Henry throwing people like fucking ragdolls. But here we are in Titletown, week five, bye week for the Packers. Flying high, 4-0, and looking good, looking good. I'll tell you what. Been a Packers fan since 1990. Got a few years under my belt, but I, you know this team looks better than 2010, 2011, 2014. Depth is there. It really, it snuck up on us quick, and I think we're right in there in contention with everyone. Las Vegas put a whooping on the Chiefs, knocked them down a peg. Chiefs still a great team. Raiders, I think they're kind of all over the place. I don't, I don't see them getting it done this year. Ravens look good. I think there's a lot of possibility there for Lamar to get better throughout the season. Seahawks are always scary, but the plus side is uh, Bostic's not on our team, and that's always good. That's really good when the Packers play. The Seahawks and Bostic is not on our team. Moving forward, as long as he's not on our team, it's always better than 2014. Okay, so our subject, moving on. So I'm excited. As a Packers fan, I'm excited about this this year. See a lot of new faces, coaching staff turnover, uh, restructuring of the power structure with kind of the general manager and then Russ Ball and the head coach kind of being on the same level underneath the president, Mark Murphy. That occurred a few years ago. Doesn't really seem to be having any hiccups right now. As you know, everyone loves winning. We went 13-3 and last year. We're 4-0 right now into the bye. We play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers next week. 125 Pacific kickoff. That's 325 Central Time. Don't quote me on that. 
So we play the Bucks next week. Tom Brady and the Bucks. A lot of people are high on them on paper. But as Jermichael Finley said in, I believe, 2011 about the Philadelphia Eagles, is that that's all paper, baby. That's all paper. I ain't worried about the Bucks one bit. And Dominican Sue, maybe he might fucking try and stomp one of our offensive linemen one more time. I don't know. But Tom Brady, that pretty boy is fucking crashing down to earth. Rob Gronkowski, much love, much respect. Right now we got a tight end playing better than Rob Gronkowski. And we'll talk about that. So I, I'm not too worried about the Buccaneers. Win or lose, it's always great seeing the Packers play on Sunday, especially being 2,000 miles away from home. Uh, just being a Packers fan, it's just something about watching the Packers. takes you back to your childhood, takes you back to your roots. Win or lose, I'm always happy to watch them play. So Buccaneers, Sunday, not too worried about it. Riding high, 4-0. Since we had the bye week this week, Chad invited me to do a guest segment here on Entitled Town. I figured I would talk about some of the new faces we're seeing, some of the new players on the team, and maybe touch touch on one of the one of the persons on the coaching staff. A lot of times, stuff like that definitely gets overlooked, but I think there's a lot of credit that can be given to Matt Lafleur and Gutekunst for building a team. We drafted this year. Everyone wanted us to draft a wide receiver. And, you know, at some level, I, I wouldn't have minded if we drafted a wide receiver. Aaron Rodgers has thrown two touchdown passes to a first-round draft pick, that person being Mercedes Lewis. And Mercedes Lewis, third year on the team, tight end, has signed three consecutive one-year deals. Great blocker, big guy, good hands, good blocking, just not as fast as maybe he once was. But, yeah, that says something. Aaron Rodgers has only thrown two touchdown passes to a first-round draft pick. Devontae Adams, second round. Jordy Nelson, second round. This team's doing great. We drafted. Not a single, like, we're not relying on a single rookie to make or break our season. And as the season progresses, I'd like I would like to see more rookie more rookies contribute. Uh, first and foremost, AJ Dillon. I definitely think games get colder, games get closer. I think he factors into the game plan more as the weeks progress. Matt Lafleur, smart guy. Our offensive coordinator, smart guy. I don't think they've forgotten about AJ Dillon. I mean the 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 gentleman has tree trunks for fucking legs. And I don't know about you guys, but in twenty fourteen when Eddie Lacey was fucking throwing motherfuckers like Derrick Henry through fucking people against the Bills Tuesday night. I wanna see some of that shit. And AJ Dillon definitely can bring that to the table. That's another thing too we touch on is that we have four count 'em, four running backs. Now, you can say, okay, well, you know, we've had four running backs on the roster before. No, you don't get what I'm saying. I'm saying the Packers have four running backs. We can feature each one of those guys in a game. You got Jamal Williams catching eight passes. Aaron Rodgers said in the post game, he's like, anytime you throw eight passes to your backup running back, you have a good game. 
he caught eight passes. We got Aaron Jones, which nothing needs to be said about that that guy. He can blow a play up any play. And we took him after Jamal Williams. We took Jamal Williams in the fourth round, and in our fifth round, we took Aaron Jones. So that just goes to show you running backs just overlooked. But you, that, that draft class for running backs, loaded. Loaded. Go back and look at that draft. Holy crap. And then we got Swervin Irvin, gadget player. They're not afraid to use him. And then we have A.J. Dillon waiting in the waiting in the wings. I think the only reason he hasn't gotten more touches or snaps is just, you know, they don't want to they don't want turnovers. They don't want to fucking turn that ball over, which I get. Aaron Rodgers hasn't thrown an interception yet this season, which is pretty crazy. Uh I got another I got another number for you if you're listening. 7. What's what's 7 mean? 7 is how many times the Packers have punted all season? 7 times. I, that's not an indicator of how well the Packers are doing. I don't know what is. This is I like we're in it. We're definitely in the top. This is this this season, barring Aaron Rodgers getting injured, we're in it. We're definitely in it, and I think we can beat any team in the NFL right now. We have a honest to god chance. I would put us biased. I would put us as the number one team in the NFL. Especially after, you know, I, I, just, I just don't think the Chiefs are going to go all the way. I, I think you have the, the hangover from winning the Super Bowl. And I just don't think they put it together. I don't think they want it as bad. Uh, Patrick Mahomes got his payday. And, I, you know, I'm sure he's out there giving it 100%. But last year he's probably giving it 110%. So I just don't see him repeating. Uh, the Falcons... We just ran all over them. They're going to go full rebuild. The Eagles, they're, they're not going to get it all together. It's like Mitch Trubisky is running for his life half the time. Card, Cardinals had a lot of potential. I like Kyler Murray. He's looking good, but that they're not going to run it. Uh, Vegas looks good, but they're not going to do it. So real contenders here are the Ravens right now, the Titans, and the Seahawks are wild card. I mean, they're always scary. So, let's talk about Robert Tanya. Tight end, plays at number 85, 6 foot 5 inches tall, young buck, 26 years old, born in 1994, born and raised McHenry, Illinois, played high school football for McHenry East, went to Indiana State, entered the draft in 2017, went undrafted, signed by the Lions, Cut before the season started in 2017. Picked up in 2018. Oh, excuse me. Picked up in 2017. As we were last four games of the regular season, as we were entering the playoffs. Ended up catching four passes for us, so 77 yards in 2018. And then 2019, he had 10 receptions for 100 yards. And 2020 rolls around, and all of a sudden, it looks like we have a playmaker. Now, it's only been one game that he had three catches and 100 and some odd yards. But you watch this guy play, 
and he looks like a difference difference maker across the middle. He looks like the tight end we've been looking for since Jermichael Finley got injured. Coming into the season, you probably would have put him at number two or number three on the depth chart. Mercedes Lewis definitely holding down the number one spot, which I think he's given up at this point. Robert Tanyan is definitely number one. Sternberger has a lot of potential. It's only week four, 25% of the regular season's over with. Who's to say Sternberger doesn't have a blow-up season either? Athletically, Sternberger has all the tools. Josiah DeGura, we drafted him in the third round. So we took Sternberger in the third round last year. And this year we took Josiah in the third round. So we've done back-to-back draft picks in the third round in the tight end position. He's injured. We're not going to see him for the rest of the season. So looks like right now our top three tight ends. Bobby Tons, Sternberger, and Mercedes Lewis. And it's looking good. I mean, those are, you know, we have those three. Well, I don't think we sign Mercedes Lewis next year. He signed three back-to-back-to-back one-year contracts. I think we just kind of, he ages out of the Packers' plans, much like Tremont Williams did this year. I think next year we carry DeGura, Sternberger, and Tanyan as our top three tight ends. And I'll tell you what, ain't no one, I mean, I'm not upset about that. That's, that's a great three tight ends to, to have on the team. Uh, so Robert Tanyan, new face to the Packers, catching passes or, or prime time play, I guess, being a playmaker. But he's been with us since 2017, and now he's finally getting getting his shot. And I think he has a place in this offense, and I think Matt LaFleur is going to scheme more stuff towards Robert Tanyan. So I'm excited. Packers look good. Uh, Tight end position looks good for how many years we didn't have any tight ends. We let Jared Cook walk, and that's egg on our face. He looks great. I mean, still catching passes from Drew Brees, Taysom Hill. Tight end slash quarterback. I don't know what you want to call him. Let him walk. He's throwing passes to Jared Cook down down in New Orleans. Richard Rodgers we took in the third round. Great guy. Hands like bear traps. Threw anything near him. And he'd suck that fucking ball in. But he just didn't have that second level. That playmaking ability. But I think he got a ring with the Eagles. So don't worry about Richard Rodgers. He's got a ring. He's doing fine. But then we had... Martellus Bennett, what a shit show that was. You get your hopes up. Classic Packers, get your hopes up. They finally spend some money. Free agency, you get Martellus Bennett. What a fucking dud that signing was. And then next year we get Jimmy Graham, Jimmy G. You're like, all right, Jimmy G, let's do this. Nothing. So it's nice to have some tight ends. 2020. I think 2020... As 2020 goes, Packers is probably the brightest fucking thing in 2020. I don't know if anyone has any more commentary about the shit show 2020 has been. But uh, Packers looking good so far. So far. We still got, we can have some heartbreak yet. But looking great. Entitled town. We're entitled to it. We're Packers fans. We've only had back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterback play for the last 25 years. We deserve it. And with that, opening a beer. So, 
sunshiny day here on the west coast no smoke thank god hit 93 today which is no biggie you know it's not the heat that gets you it's the humidity and we ain't got no fucking humidity over here so i'm working yesterday about 13 hours today i'm working it's near the end of the day and i go to one of my co-workers i go you want to go get a bucket of fucking white claws after work throw them back and he looked at me, and it's, he didn't even have to say anything. He did say some stuff, but he didn't even have to say anything because the look on his face was just like, what the fuck did you just say to me? And he was like, are you serious? You want to go get White Claws? And I'm like, yeah, let's go get some White Claws. I wasn't actually serious, but I mean, I'll drink some fucking White Claws. All right? You bring White Claws, I'll drink them. All right, end of story. I mean, 5% alcohol, light, refreshing, fizzy. I'll drink them. I ain't afraid to say it. I mean, maybe California's just made me... I'll drink the fucking White Claws. Anyway, enough about me. So, good day out here. Beautiful day. Thursday night, no football. Good day to do this podcast. Great talking to you guys. As a long-time listener, first-time caller, just really appreciate you guys giving me the support and the courage to, you know, do this podcast. It kind of gets me over the fact that I... Literally hate listening to my own fucking voice on a recording, but hey, if you like it, more power to you. All right, says Robert Tanyan. Let's talk about a defensive player. Let's talk about number 96 for the Packers, Kingsley Kiki. Down lineman, uh, drafted in the fifth round out of Texas A&M in 2019 by the Packers. Talk about a value pick. This kid's only 24 years old, born in 1996, about 288 pounds, coming out of college. He's put on weight. He's put on strength. He's looking good in value. Fifth-round draft pick, defensive lineman, and he is looking good. Packers defense has been hurting without Kenny Clark there. Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry have been playing really well. Travis Adams, third-round draft pick. I don't really see him doing much on game day. Um, maybe at this point he's just a body on the team. I don't see him. If he doesn't play well, he's not He's not getting a second contract from the Packers. I think this might be his last year with the team. But Kingsley Kiki, young guy, still, ha- still has some ascension, still has a ceiling to him. But his floor is definitely coming up quick. And these are the guys on the team. You got Will Redman, Kiki. They're like unsung heroes, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster. They're doing the the dirty work on the defense. And I know the defense isn't clicking right now, but I think the unit is going to play a lot better down the stretch than it has been, or at least I hope it will. But do we really need it to be lights out? We need our defense to be lights out the way that Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are running this offense. Do we need that defense to be a top 10? I would love it to be a top 10, but I, I, I still see us competing the way the unit's currently playing. And I think we're slightly above our floor on defense. And it's only been four weeks of the season. So I'm thinking this defense looking pretty good. And if I rub my crystal ball here, I wouldn't be surprised. Week 10, we're talking about how great this defense is. Jareer Alexander shut down Ridley against the Falcons. Zero yards. He shut him down. 
top receivers in, in the league up until that point, and he shut them down. Defense has some bright spots to it. Zadarius Smith hasn't really turned it on, but I think he, he's not. I think Preston Smith is playing opposition right now because Kenny Clark's not there. And it's kind of taken away from the dynamic duo, the Smith brothers, tearing shit up. But that's all right. That's all right. We got a lot. Of, we got. We haven't lost the game, and we got a lot of season left. So don't be surprised if we start talking Smith brothers with a little dash. A little dash of Rashawn Gary. 12th overall draft pick. Packers haven't drafted that high since, I don't know, I had fucking training wheels on my bicycle. I don't know. So, he's got to do something. He's got to do something. Or he could be in the next, you know, Demarius Randall or Rollins or Josh Jackson. or. Anyway, I digress. So, defense has got to play better. Just has to. I think I think the defense is gonna play a lot better. Inside linebackers, kind of sucks that Kirksey got hurt, but I think Gukuns, Ty Summers, athletically, like on paper, Ty Summers, sideline to sideline speed. Does he stick? Does he does he get a big payday two years from now and hit a second contract? I don't know, but. On paper, he's got the young athleticism. He's really good. So if he can get coached up, tackle a little better, read the plays a little better, Ty Summers might be a keeper. I mean, Blake Martinez, was no one was ever over the moon with Blake Martinez, but, I mean, shit, we drafted the guy in the fourth or fifth round, and he, and he started day one, week one, and was just a tackling machine. So... I throw no shade at Blake Martinez. I, I understand why we didn't re-sign him. Uh, but much love for Blake Martinez. He played four great years with the Packers. And we're trying to find, you know, get younger, get faster at the inside linebacker position. I get it. Don't necessarily understand why the Packers devalue that position so damn much. But, hey... We went to the NFC Championship last last year, thirteen and three. This year we're four and zero, and the defense isn't playing as well as it did last year. So I'm excited about this team. I'm excited about the defense, and I think that if you're concerned about the defense, I just want to let you know that I hear you and I see you. But I think, as Aaron Rodgers once said, "Relax. All right, we got some games left. All right." So that brings me to my third segment, and maybe final. Who knows? Maybe I'll go for seven segments. What do you guys want to talk about? Tell me. But you know, where do you want to go from here? Maybe send you know, send Chad a couple pictures of your dogs and Packers jerseys, and you know, maybe we'll we'll swap stories of funny Packer tales. What's the best dish you ever made at a Packer game? You got one that stands out? Sloppy Joe's. Chili with cornbread. That's always a good one. Those little cocktail wieners. Who knows? You tell me. I'd love to hear from you. Segment number three. Let's talk about let's talk about the head honcho here. Matt LaFleur. Who is he? Where'd he come from? Who cuts his hair? Well, I'll tell you. Matt, the head coach with the winning smile, great haircut. Born and bred, 
Wine'em, dine'em, 1979'em. All right, Michigan, Mount Pleasant. Went to high school, hometown. Went to college, Saginaw State. As a player, he played for the Omaha Beefs, or Omaha Beef, in 2003. And in 2004, he was with the Billings Outlaws. Now, if you're not familiar with either of those teams, the Omaha Beef or the Billings Outlaws, that's because it's indoor football of a now-defunct league. But I'll tell you what, I ain't got no beef with Matt LaFleur, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so his first two years of college, LaFleur was a wide receiver. And then he transferred out of Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo to Saginaw Valley State, which is a D2 game, D2 team, excuse me, where he played quarterback, essentially backup quarterback. So coming into college, he played wide receiver for Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. That's 98-99. After those two seasons, he transferred to Saginaw Valley State, which is a D2 program. There he played quarterback from 2000 to 2002. So three seasons, he took that football team, the Cardinals, to the playoffs each season. From there, when he graduated, obviously went undrafted, he was a backup quarterback in the indoor football league for two seasons, back-to-back seasons. Omaha, which is Nebraska, if you haven't known. Actually, Omaha is a pretty nice town. Nice rolling hills. It's, it's kind of nice. And then Billings, Montana, the outlaws. From there, he got into coaching. I guess two years indoor football. He probably was just burned out. You know, it's the brightest of lights. He just needed some time to find himself. And I guess he found coaching. Went back to Saginaw Valley State as an offensive assistant. He got two years at Central Michigan as a graduate assistant. Then he went to Northern Michigan as a quarterback's coach, quarterback's wide receiver coach. Was the offensive coordinator for Ashland College. Was the offensive assistant for the Houston Texans 2008-2009. Alright, so before we start breaking down the path that led Matt LaFleur to the green, head coach in the Green Bay Packers, you're going to see some themes here, or, or one person that keeps popping up. His first NFL gig, Texans. I got a little trivia for you. Who was the first head coach of the Texans as the expansion team? Anyone? 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 Dom Capers, my man. Yeah, yes, he did head coach the Texans from 2002 to 2005. That is also the years that they gave Amon Green a monster contract. I mean, they just opened up the bank vault and just shoveled it onto that gentleman. Anywho, it's back on track. 2008-2009, offensive coach. For the Texans. Head coach Gary Kubiak. Both those seasons. Offensive coordinator for the Texans. You're going to hear this name more often. Kyle Shanahan. That's right. You guessed it. Matt Schaub was their quarterback. And if, any, if anyone was playing fantasy football back then. Matt Schaub put up some fucking yards with the Texans, man. 2009. 4,700 yards for that fucking disaster of a team and 
does that speak to the offensive coordination, Kyle Shanahan? I don't know. I don't know. But from there, Matt LaFleur went to the Washington Redskins or, or the Washington football team, whatever floats your boat here. LaFleur was with them from 2010 to 2013. He got a promotion for this one. He became the quarterback's coach. Under offensive coordinator, can you guess it? Oh, yes, you in the back. Kyle Shanahan, that's right. Now, here's a little interesting tidbit about Kyle Shanahan. Same age as Matt LaFleur, 1979. Born in 1979, Shanahan came out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And if everyone from Wisconsin knows one thing, they know that the state to the fucking left is the worst state. I mean, I'm sorry, Minnesota, if you're listening. I'm actually, I'm actually being facetious. I actually... I'm not sorry. It's the worst state. Sorry, guys. But Shanahan became offensive coordinator for the Texans in 2008, right? So he was definitely a faster rising star than Matt LaFleur. Now, that's understandable being that Kyle's father, Mike Shanahan, well-respected coach. But... LaFleur, probably smart dude, smart individual, got along with Kyle, or who knows, maybe Kyle liked working with him, but definitely if you look at Matt LaFleur's track record of where he came from, how many teams he's been with, he's even though he's only 40, he's paid his dues, he's, he's been around the league. So, with the Redskins, 2010-2013, LaFleur is the quarterback's coach. LaFleur, as the quarterback's coach, came in to the Redskins regime underneath Kyle's father. Mike was the head coach. And he got to coach Donovan McNabb, Rex Grossman, which was a, who, whom was a holdover from the Texans. And then he got Robert Griffin III, and Kirk Cousins. So he's had some quarterbacks to coach while he was with the Redskins. And those were some terrible teams. Donovan McNabb, after he left the Eagles, I don't think there was a single bright spot to his career other than the bright bright spot in my heart when I think of Donovan McNabb signing a contract with the Vikings and Vikings fans thinking that they were going to win games with Donovan McNabb throwing passes. That's Donovan. Tell you what, man. You just, you know, keep being yourself. Keep cashing those chunky soup checks. You know what I'm saying? So from there, from 2010 to 2013, with the Redskins, you had Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur, which was broken up after Mike left the organization. There you have these pairs. You have Kyle and Matt parting ways. Matt ends up going back to college ball for Notre Dame as a coach. And then Kyle Shanahan goes to the Browns as offensive coordinator underneath head coach, my man, Mike Pettin. And that was a train wreck of a fucking team. Brian Hoyer and Johnny Menzel is your fucking number two Number one, number two choices at quarterback. But after that stint, 
Kyle makes his way to the Falcons, and then Matt enters, enters the fold again. So Matt comes back to coach with Kyle as the quarterback's coach for the Falcons for 2015-2016. And if those years don't ring any bells, they had some pretty good offensive years for, for those two seasons. 2016, the Falcons laid a whooping on the Packers. That was our run-the-table year where we went to the NFC Championship game and lost to Matt Ryan in Atlanta. And then Atlanta went on to blow the greatest lead in Super Bowl history and lose to Tom Brady and the Patriots. So Kyle and Matt together, I don't know how much of that is Matt LaFleur, but Kyle Shanahan's definitely put together some pretty good offense and took the Falcons to the bowl, basically, and then from there departed to be head coach of the 49ers in 2017, where he is now. So Kyle left the organization after taking Atlanta to the Super Bowl as offensive coordinator. Matt LaFleur, for the 2017 season, departs to be offensive coordinator for Sean McVay for the L.A. Rams. Now, offensively that year was a phenomenal season for them. They went, they ended up going 11-5, winning their division. And losing in the playoffs. Wild card round against the Falcons. They lost 13-26. to So from there, he went to be offense, offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. Matt LaFleur did. Which then leads us to him signing with the Packers as head coach in 2019. So it's been two years with Matt LaFleur. He's come up basically in the Shanahan system. He had... One year with McVeigh, and he's earned his due. Even though he's only forty years old at this point, he's definitely been around. He had a year in college. He's been all over the place. Two years as offensive coordinator, two different franchises prior to becoming head coach of the Packers. Obviously, wowed the executives with the Packers, Mark Murphy, Mark Murphy, and Gutekunst to give him the job after one interview. And definitely seems like it's paying off. So I think that's where we're going to wrap it up today. Appreciate you guys listening. Any feedback or anything, just put it in the comment comment section below. Or send me an email, fax, smoke signals, whatever you want. And uh, till next time, this is Entitled Town. Thanks for listening.